0: Hey, this is Carl. Are you struggling to replicate the bugs and performance issues customers are reporting? Plug Raygun into your web and mobile applications right now and diagnose problems in minutes rather than hours. Kiss goodbye to having to dig through log files and relying on frustrated users to report issues. Make your software development life so much easier using Raygun's error, crash, and performance monitoring tools. Every software team can create flawless software experiences for their customers with Raygun. Try it free today at raygun.com. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, we got a... Bunch of really good shows coming up that we've already recorded, but we're we're squeezing this one in for our friends at Microsoft because there's some new stuff we want to talk about. How you doing, Mr. Campbell?
1: I'm, uh, you know, having a good time. This week is that uh, this show publishes during Ignite, so you know this is uh, related to Ignite stuff. That's why this happens. Yep. But uh, it looks like we're gonna get Christmas off, man. Like we got enough shows recorded from all the things we've been doing that uh, we're gonna be able to just not have to work in December.
0: Well, that's good. I'm I'm working hard in December myself. I've got um, four Blazer workshops coming up, one on November 25th and then three in December. Two of them in December, I decided to move to Saturday because, you know, some people were complaining that Mondays, you know, they work and all this stuff. So I figured Monday was the best day because if you ever go to a conference, you know, they usually start things on Monday and then people can take a long weekend if they want to just go to that thing. But, uh, you know... Being a, uh, taking a, a, a workshop in your underwear from home is kind of a, a weekend thing for some people. So, anyway, I put the dates out there. If you go to blazer.appvnex.com, you can see all those and all the dates. And I think the Monday's workshop went off without a hitch. Oh, yeah, you did one. I, I, well, I'm going to. But okay. As oh, this, I, there's a little time shifting going on. A little here. time shifting, yeah. On. As yeah. of this recording, it's done. Awesome! I'm sure you rocked it. I'm sure I did too. So, um, some really cool stuff that my friend uh, Steve Strong sent me that I want to share for Better No Framework. So, roll the crazy music. <laughs> All right, man. What do you got? All right, this is a demonstration of how when you build these software agents and then give them the ability to learn about their environment, and um, basically they set them loose on a hide and seek game. So you've got two seekers and two finders, and they're in this virtual world, and there are blocks and objects and stuff. And you know, after o- over a hundred thousand iterations, this sort of Intelligence emerges, and they learn to use the stuff in their environment as tools to help them do their job. And it's just really, really fascinating. You should watch this video. But even if you don't watch the video, they have these little video clips where they show, uh, you know, how the how the the hiders and the seekers manipulate their environment over time. You know, starting with just random movements and then uh, getting smarter and smarter and smarter. And it just shows you how AI can be used to, you know, with training, to help these intelligent things, whatever they are, robots or algorithms, just learn how to do a better job at what their goal is.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've made it very anthropomorphic, so it looks, it appeals to people because they're little characters, right? Right. But... uh... So we're, we pro- we project intelligence on things. But oh yeah, we they sure do. They have come up with solutions.
0: Yeah, we do. Yeah, but uh, if you take a, if you're really interested in the AI part of it, they actually show this at the bottom of the blog post of uh, what algorithms they use and and uh, strategies and how many permutations and uh, batches that they run in order to get the convergence. It's pretty, pretty awesome.
1: It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's still a simulation in the sense that everything moves smoothly; nothing ever gets stuck. Like, yeah, the real world would be grosser than this. But uh, and
0: you're seeing the results of many, many, many iterations of training. Yeah, yeah.
1: but it at the same like time, the simulated learning is always really interesting. It's an, an aspect of AI that's still emerging.
0: Yep, very cool. Cool, man. Yeah. So, who's talking to us today, Richard?
1: Knowing we were going to talk about you know the Windows side of the development stack today, I grabbed a comment off a of show fifteen fifty two, which we did back in June of twenty eighteen mm-hmm. um, with the folks from Uno. Remember Uno? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah that's do the, the uh,
0: Universal Windows Platform to everything converter essentially.
1: Yeah, they they, they started at U, the UWP level, but then they had built this cross compiler. They would even make. Uh, Web apps from it. So that was really interesting.
0: Yep. Not to mention Android and iOS apps.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and uh, Brian Richens has this great comment because it's of the broad thinking around this. It amazes me, given the fairly recent rise of WebAssembly to a viable platform, that Uno, Wii, because we also did a show on Wii, yep. and Blazor, maybe you heard of it, uh, are all reaching mass awareness and interest so quickly. Yeah. There is a huge interest in enabling traditional, quote, XAML devs uh, to reach web and mobile devices without having to learn JavaScript frameworks or CSS. I don't know why you'd hate to learn either of those things, but okay. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense to empower the vast group of devs with desktop-focused experience to build smart mobile clients. And the current trajectory of WebAssembly performance seems to indicate that it will soon perform as well as the major JavaScript-based frameworks. Not that we look at JavaScript-based frameworks for their performance, right? Right. But I get what you're you're saying here, Brian. On another note, between the number of devs reaching the web and these new tools and the power of the open, disconnected, cross-platform web options like Electron apps and PWAs, it seems like the native app stores are becoming less important. Five years ago, the only viable option seemed to be putting an app in a store and paying heavy platform taxes, Right, but now it's possible to separate bit deliver and market reach, choosing free or near free tools. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Apple, Google, and others have plans to either resist or pivot with that movement, Mm -hmm. but I expect that the next few years will be a very interesting shift in the options and concerns for most of the listeners' companies. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, the the thing about app stores, irrespective, like he talks about the the platform taxes, the fees that are charged, that's not the big thing. It's the delay in delivering software. That's what kills me. Right? Mm. You push something into the store for for checking, and some days later it comes out. You you can't be agile with that. Uh, besides the fact that you know maintaining native apps on mobile devices is hard. You know, we've been through this with with. Our, our app, you know, I look back at that app now as kind of a mistake because you need to keep a team maintaining an app literally monthly to mm. actually keep it functioning. Yeah. Like it's, it's expensive. We're in the midst of a conversation with Humanitarian Toolbox right now about a mobile app and we're just bringing that thing up. It's like, look, you don't build a mobile app and then you're done. You, right. you pay a team forever to maintain that app. I've uh, found that the combination of...
0: Um uh blazer and PWA tools mm-hmm. and mobile CSS makes a great mobile app, you know, especially for for this kind of thing. Although yeah. I think that once uh, client side Blazor is baked,
1: that's going to be even more compelling. It'll it'll be interesting to see how that works out, right? Is, is yeah. it fast enough? Is it light enough? Like there's lots of challenges there. But sure you is. know I always look at this feeling around effect, all of these options, as we're trying to find a better solution, the current solutions aren't good enough. And I certainly think app stores aren't good enough. I mean, who finds anything on an app store anymore?
0: There's so many apps
1: in it, you can't find a thing, right? We got to market directly, that's what actually works. That's what works, yep. Yeah, but I think, you know, and I'm not saying that the app stores are a mistake, The market has evolved, right? We got to a sort of critical mass. We've sort of realized that these walled gardens are their own problem, too. And we're going back to more of an open web mindset around these things. So, uh, you know, we're just seeing a wave of the industry moving.
0: You know, app stores are good if you're stuck at an airport and you got Wi Fi and you got two hours to do nothing and you don't have your computer with you and you want to just go find a new game, right? Yeah. You can just go to the app store, click best selling games. You know, read read through the top ten, pick one and download and play it, right? I can see that.
1: Yeah, I've but, never done that, but, but I, get, it, I get what you I know what you mean.
0: Yeah, and I've rarely done that, but but if you have an app free that supports your online app, you know that uh, supports your event or supports your business, you're gonna just give it to your consumers and say, here, go download our app, you know, get this QR code or whatever. And get the app.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you've got to commit to supporting it. I mean, I kind of like the conference apps being in the conference biz just because they go away, right? After the end of the conference, people aren't going to look at it anymore. So you get a chance to refresh it and so forth. You don't have to do that content maintenance. But
0: But what really sucks is when there's a new feature or a a breaking feature in a new SDK. Yeah. And all of a sudden your app doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And now your customers have to wait for the next iteration of that app. Yeah. which could
1: take weeks. Well, you know, the classic one is I- an iOS update that takes out yeah. your app. I mean, that happens a lot. Yep. Anyway, it's it's kind of off the message. It's just you know, interesting to see. I mean, Brian's thinking the same way that we're looking for ways to use the language we choose to the desktop or the the client that we care about, right? And uh, we don't want to support a lot of different clients if we don't have to. Like one code base is good. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's there's still choice out there. We're still feeling it around. Sure. So, Brian, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to co is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to co write a comment on the website at com or on Facebook. We re- publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to co
0: And please follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet and we'll see what intelligence emerges. Nice. Or doesn't, as the case may be. Hey, uh, let me introduce our guest. He is Ryan Demopoulos, and he's a lead program manager for Windows UI, and his main job is to get WinUI 3 out the door. And if you've never heard of WinUI, stick around. We're going to talk all about it. But part of this is product work, and part of it's working to get WinUI open source. And Ryan works closely with other teams at Microsoft across .NET and Visual Studio to make sure WinUI 3 will be great when it ships. Welcome Ryan. Hey guys, how's it going?
2: Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh thanks for uh thanks for having me along. I uh I'm really looking forward
1: to uh today's chat. Yeah, us too. I don't know why we haven't heard of WinUI. Like how does this happen? Well,
0: it's probably because we don't build universal windows apps. But
2: if you're a UWP developer, would you know what WinUI is? Yeah, if you're a, a UWP developer, you likely know what WinUI is. And uh but I'll maybe take a second to explain it for folks who aren't UWP developers, who sure. just don't know. Yeah, so um, WinUI is kind of like it's kind of like two things right now. It can be a bit confusing. So today, like in the market and released, we have WinUI 2. Um, and WinUI 2 is a set of controls and features for um, XAML developers that use the um, version of XAML uh, available in UWP. So it has controls like navigation views, tree views, stuff like that. And We created WinUI 2 because we wanted to be able to ship controls across uh, different versions of Windows 10. So uh, we made this uh, control library and people sort of optionally use it today. But WinUI 3 is kind of like a whole different product almost. So um, what we're doing with WinUI 3 is instead of it just being a control library, we're expanding that library to be the entire XAML UI framework. Whoa! The whole okay. Thing, wow. To nuts, uh, including parts of the compositor and the input stack in Windows 10. So we're basically lifting XAML and the compositor and the input stack um, up out of Windows 10 and shipping it independently of the OS. And it's got everything in it. It's not just controls. It's like X-Bind, data binding, all the all the goodies that you want to um, go and use. That's that's when you three and it's not out yet. It's coming next year. So
0: okay, right. So that'll probably come with .NET five.
2: Yeah, it's gonna. We're sort of. It, it, we talk about it in terms of .NET Core three right now, but yeah, it's going to be aligned to .NET Core three slash .NET five. That sort of continual .NET.
0: All right, because we have high expectations for that version being a sort of universal in the biggest sense of the word version, right?
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, right now. UWP developers use .NET Native, um, and so to use WinUI three, uh, you'll you'll be using uh, .NET Core three, and then eventually .NET five.
0: That means the UI will be cross platform. Uh, not
2: yet. So okay. the first thing that we have to do, um, and what WinUI three is focused on, is just getting it out of the OS so that we can at least ship. To all versions of Windows 10 and 10x, right? So that's like what WinUI Th- 3 is about. Um, we know that there is a lot of interest in cross-platform, uh, and we do. I, I like. I will now formally declare that we do not have plans for cross-platform, but we are discussing it, um, and we're trying to figure out what we should do there. We know that there's a lot of interest, so, um, and we're listening to the community about it.
0: And a lot of vectors by which that could happen too, huh? Uh,
2: yeah that that's actually really the the reason why it just requires a lot more time and discussion on our part that, you know, once you step into CrossPlat, you're stepping into uh, a much more, uh, I I don't want to say complicated area, but like, there's a lot of ways to do CrossPlat, right? There's like, you can do CrossPlat, but you can have different front end UIs. There are frameworks like Flutter where every pixel is literally the same. There's frameworks like React Native where you are using the native controls, but you're writing one code base. Mm. And so, like how you think about the identity of of plat for something like WinUI, that's a that's a complex topic, and that's something that we haven't like netted out on yet because we're pretty focused on just trying to get out of the Windows 10 operating system and, and lift up above it.
1: Yeah, I always wondered about the U part of UWP. Yeah, <laughs>
0: universal as long as you're on Windows. Uh, yeah, <laughs> universal Microsoft for right. for
2: Windows. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, there was like Windows Mobile, which like you know, yeah. unfortunately is yeah you know, kind of gone south there, but like, uh, Xbox. you know, there's HoloLens and Xbox and yep. all that stuff. Yeah. So that's what the U was for. It was like universal within the Microsoft uh, Windows family. Yeah, sure.
1: And, and I also noticed you say XAML UI rather than WPF. Is there a distinction there?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm trying to use that term carefully because I know that all these terms mean a lot of things. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, WinUI uses like XAML syntax. It's a XAML uh, UI framework, and in fact, the syntax is its lineage kind of comes from WPF. So there's like a lot of WPF isms in there mm, um, right. and Silverlight isms in there. So like if you've written WPF and Silverlight um, XAML, you, you you'll feel reasonably at home with WinUI syntax. Um, whereas something like Xamarin Forms, that's a different syntax. It's like XAML, but it's it just feels different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but this is not WPF proper. This is a the separate xaml ui framework it's written in c++ and it's in right. windows 10 right now and and that's the yeah that's the thing we're lifting it
1: yeah i mean i think i am and i bring it up just cuz i don't know that folks understand that there are flavors of xaml and that this this windows one is a natively windows like it's it's c++ it's not built on on .net the same way even though they're pretty much interchangeable I and mean, they're not absolutely identical but they're pretty close
2: uh, yeah, they are pretty close. There, there are some differences, and it can be annoying that there's differences. Mm-hmm. You know, one of mm-hmm. the big challenges that we run into is like if you just like go onto Google and you type like XAML button, you know, you, you don't know whether you're going to get the Silverlight button or, and its properties or the WPF button and its yep. properties. Right. So it's it definitely can be confusing. But generally speaking, they're pretty close. Um, and uh, and you mentioned the native thing, so like that's a pretty important thing to mention here. What's what's really excited about uh, exciting about WinUI three is um, It's implemented natively, and it's going to be, we're trying to uh, have it be the path forward for like any Windows developer. So .NET is awesome, and actually the majority of uh, Windows developers are .NET developers, so mm-hmm. .NET really does rock. Um, <laughs> and uh, But there's also a pretty healthy portion of people who just like do native C++. We've got MFC, Crowd, folks like that, people who use ComCuddle directly. Mm. Um, and WinUI will be useful in those projects too. So, um, it'll be, it's literally for every path forward and it's yeah. not just going to be UWP. We're extending it to the win 32 app model. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So it's not just UWP. It'll work fine for UWP. UWP is great. People who have U- UWP investments, they'll be able to bring those forward and use winui UI three. Um, but for people who, uh, who want to stick with win 32 and have win 32 investments, you can, you can use winui uh, win UI three natively right in those apps too.
0: All right, so let's talk about going forward about WinUI three. What can you tell us? Or where do you want to start?
2: Um, well, maybe I'll start with uh, sort of like the roadmap for WinUI three. It's mm-hmm. a little fuzzy, but you know we can we can talk a little bit about that. So, you know, you guys mentioned Ignite earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, we're uh, I'm I'm jumping on a plane on Sunday. Uh, gonna get head down there, and I'll be uh down at Ignite helping our team release the WinUI 3 Alpha. Mm-hmm. So uh, this will be the first release of WinUI 3. It's early. Um, it's super early bits. I like to call it kick the tire bits. Um, it's not It's not something that you'll be developing like a real app on. It's got a bunch of restrictions. Um, but, you know, it's like our first, hey, we did it. You know, we've, we've, we've actually been doing something for the last few months. We've been lifting WinUI, uh, the, the whole XAML uh, platform out. So yeah. that alpha will be available at Ignite. And then once Ignite wraps up, um, the next big focus for us is to get the whole UI framework open source. Um, So uh, right now, WinUI 2, which is the control library, is open source. We've got a GitHub repo, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, we we actively engage with the community. Um, But the rest of the framework uh, is not open source. And so we're going to be spending time on that. And then uh, we're going to begin previews sometime in next year, and hopefully have like a full GA release uh, sometime in 2020. So that's kind of like the the broad roadmap for WinUI.
1: 3. And, and this is also where the the fluent design sort of manifests itself, the fluent styles that we we saw. I, I guess it was a, a build or two ago where they really sort of said, "Here's this new approach. You know, approach we want to make Windows look like."
2: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if you think about why we're even doing this at all, mm-hmm. you know, the the UI framework in Windows 10, the, the UWP XAML UI framework, um, it's pretty great. It brings a lot of new controls, including a, a bunch of controls that uh, WPF never had. Um, it also brings Fluent, as you mentioned. So, it like embodies like the latest Microsoft design system um, and just like modern effects, like acrylic and reveal and um, it's got really great support for like touch and ink and like all kinds of sort of different modern device capabilities. Um, and so, but the the biggest issue that we had with that was it was for UWP only. Mm-hmm. And there were right. you know there's a pretty large audience of developers um, that just for whatever reason couldn't go to UWP. UWP has traditionally been a pretty monolithic thing. It's like if you take one thing, you take everything. Um, and so uh, what we're what we're trying to do here is. The re- is basically unlock all that value of the most modern XAML-based UI framework that we have for everyone. So,
0: so just to um, be clear, uh, WinUI, is it uh, C++
2: code or is it all XAML? So it is written in C++ and you can use it from C++, C Sharp, VBA, um, any of the .NET languages.
0: Okay, because I'm looking at the repo and I just picked uh one of the you know calendars or something like that, and all I see is XAML. So are there DLLs in the background
2: here somewhere? Uh yeah, so there there should be code in there. I mean you'll see XAML because even we write we write our own controls uh as a mixture of XAML and also C for like the control logic. Okay. Um so you should be able to poke around in there um, and go and see a mixture of XAML, which is what you're seeing now, but then also C++ in there as well. Yeah, but we we do not implement this in C sharp. It's implemented in C plus plus, and that allows us to be native. So it allows us to actually service uh, any type of developer.
0: Yeah, I found some C It's in common. Well, anyway, yeah, that's sure. one place where it is anyway. So yeah, there's uh, there's plenty of plenty of stuff in there.
2: Yep. Yeah, and the repo right now is that's the that's the WinUI2 code. So right. I mentioned we're going to try and get fully open source in WinUI3. So you're seeing control code there. Pretty mm-hmm. soon that is going to blow up to be a really big code base. Yeah, um, it's going to have the whole thing in it. The whole shebang. The whole thing.
1: Yeah. So this feels like a very unifying story, right? That we've we've had a bunch of these different ways to build stuff on Windows and. It feels like you're trying to pull it all together and and get some of that. I mean, I'm I keep building up Fluent just because I always thought it was gorgeous, and I and I don't see an easy way or I haven't seen an easy way to really do that in my own apps.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we we released uh, XAML Islands, um, which was announced. Well, we, we I think the latest release uh, happened. When was 19H1? I always I always forget how to translate 19H1 into. Uh, into the release time frame. So it was, uh, was it was earlier this year. And uh, what XAML islands did was it allowed you to bring UWP XAML, like the framework built into the OS. You could pull those controls, which w- were fluent controls and fluent design, into a WPF or a WinForms app. The But the problem with that is islands themselves shipped in the latest version of Windows 10. So right. you could only do that in an app that worked up level on the most recent version of Windows 10. And, of course, almost everyone in the real world is like, well, you know, I, I, I need to go and support, you know, a version of Windows 10 from like years ago. Um, and yeah, so yeah. what WinUI 3 will do is it also includes islands. So you can basically do a few different things. You can, you can just take your existing WPF or WinForms app. You can go and put an island in it. That comes from WinUI three, so it'll like come with islands. You put the island in it, and you can you can mix in that flu- that new fluent design. And what we're seeing with some of our early engagements with like uh, industry partners is they're they're actually doing whole screens at a time. So they'll have like a big window. That they're just like, oh, I'm going to redo this whole thing, um, and they'll go and make it all fluent. Um, but uh, if you don't want to use islands and you don't want to have that like sort of hybridization of WPF and WinForms, you can just you'll be able to uh, use WinUI 3 just directly and you can completely ditch um, the WPF and WinForms code if that makes sense for you. So Yeah, is right. there anything
0: couple. that WPF can do that WinUI 3 won't be able to do? Will there be any mm-hmm. reason to build a Greenfield app, Windows app with WPF?
2: Yeah, um, yeah. There, there will be some. Thi- I mean, there are some things right now that WPF can do that we have not yet put into WinUI three. That list is shrinking, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it, it definitely exists. Probably the biggest one that used to be true was uh, like data and form validation. We didn't have that in in the inbox version of XAML, but mm-hmm. we actually will be having that when we release that WinUI three. So wow. there's always going to be something. Um, but, uh, you know, that list is getting smaller and smaller. And that means that the number of people who should just feel confident in, in making their next happen when you are three is going to get bigger and bigger.
0: Nice. That's cool. Yeah. yeah very cool.
1: I, you know, one of the discussions we've often had around, uh, WPF XAML and so forth is this sort of, uh, almost too much flexibility that, that you're looking for more opinions on the way software should look. That uh, that we can we can kind of follow the pit of the success. That there's a in the same way that in the old WinForms days, like file goes here and help goes there, and the toolbars here, like those kinds of metaphors. It, it's almost like we have too much choice when you you're confronted with WPF,
0: and almost too much choice in the ways to code it. Right? I mean, so many different ways to do binding, and they're all confusing. Mm-hmm. You know that I find it really refreshing to just we, we have the sort of simple binding that, say, Blazer gives you.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and I'll take a second to give a huge shout out to Chigusa Sansen who helps to sort of organize our fluent guidance. She's done a ton of work um, just trying to make it a lot more Straightforward and clear about like good patterns to go and use, mm. um, and so and that that's an ongoing process. She's already done quite a lot there, and we're just trying to continue to like make that really clear. Hey, here's a really great way to go and develop, mm. so that uh, it, you know it's a lot clearer to go and do stuff like that. Because you're totally right, it's it's easy for people to just get completely lost and feel overwhelmed. And I think to some extent that's why you see. You know, even after all these years, you see so much wind forms usage still it's sure. because it's just it's very straightforward. It's fast. It's easy. You get in, you fire it up. You know, you, you get that it's, app, it. Out it's of this pit tests. of
1: success fa- a route, right? Where to do something wrong, you have to fight it. It has a way of the way, you know, it's very opinionated. It's mm-hmm. the way the way things are going to work.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I, yeah. I, I grabbed the link to the Fluent Design System web page to include in the show notes. And and not surprisingly, the web page is gorgeous. Right? Like it's, yeah, like sure. it's like, yeah it,
2: would, it would be bad if it wasn't.
1: It would be bad <laughs> if it wasn't. It's like, of course it's beautiful. Look at this thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, design is exciting too. Like, like honestly, like, you know, everyone I think whether or not they have the time to do it, everyone wants their apps to look beautiful and great. Yeah. You, know? wow. you, get, but, you And got people to impress, and, and, you got users to impress, you got management to impress. Yeah, yeah. their website is beautiful.
1: But you do wanna just sort of fall down that path. It's like, if I don't break anything, if I just follow these rules, I this is where I end up with this is gorgeous app. Even, even if it's only for certain classes, just plain old forms over data, you know? It's like, we gotta make a lot of this software. Why couldn't it be beautiful?
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, we talk about the pit of success, and that pit requires a lot of things to align up well, and those are things that you know we've got our pulse on. It requires, you know, it's not just documentation and websites; it's tooling, it's designers, yeah. it's you know things like that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of Gui- that we've guidance done, and you know.
1: examples. You know, for mm-hmm. a long time, the way we built software was we looked at offices and said, "Okay, I need my app to look like Outlook." <laughs> that's <laughs> right. And I buy a third party tool that has like a ribbon like thing on it or something. <laughs> When all that happened. Hey, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we've got to take a short break for this very important message.
0: Hey, Carl and Richard here. We'd like to tell you all about the upcoming conferences NDC is hosting all around the world. NDC London will be January 27th through the 31st. Go to
1: ndc-london.com to register. We're going to be recording some episodes there. Come see us in the fishbowl. NDC Security Oslo is January 22nd through
0: the 24th. Early bird discount for NDC Security Oslo is December 2nd. Go to ndc-security.com to register. And check out the full lineup of conferences at ndcconferences.com. Come join Richard and me at Dev Intersection, November 18th through the 21st at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Pre-con workshops are November 17th and 18th, and post-cons are November 22nd. Speakers you've heard on .NET Rocks include Scott Guthrie, Scott Hunter, Scott Hanselman, Kathleen Dollard, Jeff Fritz, Kim Tripp, Paul Randall, Dan Wallin, John Papa, Marcus Eggert, Michelle LaRue Bustamante, and more. I'll be doing a deep dive session on Server Side Blazer And Richard will be doing his History of .NET talk, and we'll both be hosting the closing session. Get a discount when you register with the code D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S. Go to devint.netrocks.com right now to claim
1: your discount. And we're back. This is .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. There's Carl Franklin. Yo. And we're talking to Ryan Donopoulos about WinUI 3, so the new upcoming version. And uh, you know, we've had a few conversations recently about just plain old-fashioned desktop development, uh, because I, I don't, I don't know, we're doing enough of it these days. We, the push to web is pretty serious. Can you just talk to us about desktop development uh, using Win uh, UI three? Yeah, for
2: sure. So um, the first thing I'll say is that ev- you should maybe talk about it more uh, because the the numbers that we see are actually growing. Um, so the, we, we, you know, we have month over month growth. For native Windows desktop development, and that that uh, spans uh, C plus plus and it spans uh, .NET. So, um, but yeah, so you know, WinUI three is going to be sort of like the next future native UX platform for Windows development, um, and uh, it's it's you, you can think of it as kind of like. Bringing forward that legacy of WPF and and being able to go and develop like that, it's also going to serve uh, a, in a role that um, things like WPF and WinForms were never really thought of serving, which would be a middleware um, endpoint. So, um, you know, back in Build, uh, we released React Native for Windows, and. Uh, We are reaching, you know, Microsoft is really serious, really committed into reaching out to the React Native crowd. That's a super important, uh, super fast growing crowd. And so we created React Native for Windows. And uh, React Native for Windows, right now, it layers over um, the most current native uh, UX stack that it can, which is the version of XAML, the UWP XAML framework that's built into Windows 10. But when Windows uh, UI uh, Library 3 comes out, and React Native, that um, implementation is going to switch over to WinUI 3. So we're really talking about this not just being something that you, developers will use directly creating a client desktop Windows app, which they should, um, but it's also for the endpoint for any middleware and cross platform frameworks that want to go and do the best native UI when those apps are running on Win10. What
0: about existing? WPF apps, can we take advantage of some of the Fluent UI uh, without having to rewrite?
2: Yeah, you absolutely can. So um, the the thing that allows you to do that is uh, XAML islands. So okay. XAML islands, it's kind of like putting a web view in your app, except in, instead of HTML going inside, you'll put modern XAML Fluent controls and things like that in it. So islands are the are the bridge that allows you to do that.
0: You mentioned islands before and that was the first time I'd heard of it. So yeah, that's very cool. So that's basically the bridge from Win thirty two to UWP.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and that is if you need to do that bridging, like if you have an existing app and you want to go and pull that new content in, but WinUI3 will also just work on like a file new Win thirty two app. No UWP involved whatsoever. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so you know, there's a story for both. If you've got an existing app, which tons of people do, the majority of people have some existing thing, and what we hear from customers is a lot of them are, are like, "Hey, we want to modernize, and we can't modernize it all at once. We want to go and 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 do this and take advantage of all this cool Fluent stuff. Mm. Islands is the way that you mix that in, and Windows Forms too, and WinForms too. Wow. Yep, and we have specific dedicated wrappers to make uh, those specific. Targets easier to mix in, um, so we have a set of wrappers for WinForms and WPF, so that you can go and uh, and mix in Islands even easier. You can also just do it um, in just like a pure Win32 non uh, WPF and WinForms app as well.
0: Does do you guys? I know you're probably gung ho about it, but does do um, departments higher up in Microsoft foresee a, a reemergence of desktop applications for windows uh because you know the the web just kind of took over there for a while but um you know the desktop hasn't gone away but it's certainly been downplayed in terms of uh development in new development does microsoft predict a a resurgence in that um
2: yeah i don't really know i don't think anyone on our side really predicts some big renaissance or resurgence but what we see from the actual data is sustained and actually growing participation in those types of apps yeah so even even though they don't get as much they might not get as much airplay but you know the enterprise segment is absolutely huge right Um, people are people are still like windows is still massively deployed in the world you hear a lot about like mobile apps because of the pro- proliferation of mobile devices. And that's a super important segment. It's been growing. It's like it takes a lot of oxygen in terms of what we talk about. But there is an there's an absolute tidal wave of people who make um, native Windows applications that that are meant for the Windows desktop and work there. And the interesting thing about that segment is when you talk to those guys, some of them are really interested in making something cross that goes that to, to Android or iOS. But a lot mm. of them are actually interested in Macs and Linux as well. So they're still looking at that desktop-type form factor. But to them, CrossPlat is a little different than how CrossPlat often gets talked about.
0: I would also imagine that there's a lot of uh, Windows Forms apps out there, and even VB apps before that, Win32 apps, that um, are kind of stuck because maybe they've used a third-party tool that doesn't exist anymore or doesn't support the latest versions of .NET and, you know... They're, they're, they're kind of just stuck. They, they're running those apps and will probably run them on their XP machines <laughs> until the the day it keels over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: And they're not just stuck. Some of those apps are really important. And, th- and those people are, are, are you know, they're, they're, they actually feel like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, yeah. like, I'm, I'm this MFC app. The libraries I'm using are just like the company that I license from are gone. Right. Um. And uh, and so when we talk to them about what we're trying to do with with WinUI 3, uh, that crowd actually fire, uh, their lights, uh, their eyes light up the most.
1: Well, and I think we got we got a real strong response from the Win SDKs in .NET Core 3, right, that we got a high DPI sensitive version of WinForms and the updated version of WPF. Like clearly there's interest here. They just I think they feel a, they've felt a little neglected and, uh, you know, you think about i look back at the list of shows we've done in the past year and it's like we don't talk about desktop very much and maybe that's a mistake on our part well you know we did poll uh, all of our fan
0: club uh to find out how much development uh, windows development they were doing and it's not all that much i mean most most of our listeners are web developers um now anyway they certainly were desktop developers when we started but i you know uh, just that <sighs> The inability to move forward because of a third-party tool is a real problem because now rewriting is the only solution. And for the longest time, we would have had to not rewrite in Windows Forms, but we would want to rewrite in WPF and then UWP. And so, you know, that's – so then that begs the question, well, do we want to be stuck on the desktop? And there you have it. Like there's the conundrum right there. Yeah. And the answer for
2: the answer is mixed. Some yeah, people are perfectly perfectly happy there. Other people are like, no, we've got to go cross plat and they should do that because that's what their business needs.
1: I, I also think you know, right away think like, wow, it's another case for why you want to use open source libraries so that when a company goes away, they don't take their code base with them. It's still there. You may not want to maintain it, but at least it doesn't disappear. Or companies that share the source
0: code, right? If I yeah. if I buy a library uh, and i have the source code i feel much more i feel much better about buying a library when i have the source mm-hmm. uh, i'm way back dude 1990 something 92 91 when i worked at crescent software one of the things i liked about them and this was a tool vendor for quick basic and then for visual basic is you got full source to everything and they never ever thought twice about that like that we never ever had somebody stealing the source code selling contr- our controls under their name like that just didn't happen and what we had was lots and lots and lots of happy customers it's a really good idea yeah just yeah it's
1: interesting to think about how that would fly today yeah i don't know uh, and uh- Ryan, just to be clear here, we are talking only Windows 10, right? Although we've had four and a half years of versions of Windows 10, so there's a lot of versions of Windows 10 now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, we are talking just about Windows 10. When we were doing
2: the WinUI 3 planning, um, we spent a lot of time talking to customers about Win 7. Um, And the answer we got back from them, and that answer changes over time, because as you said, time has marched on. Um, And,
1: you know, Windows 7 end of life is uh,
2: about to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like January 2020, right?
2: January 2020. Yeah. So um, now end of life doesn't mean developers stop caring about it because obviously. It's not like the OS
1: bursts into flames in January 2020. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's funny how many people don't realize that, you know, they're they're just like, what do you mean? Of course, we won't go to Windows 7. It's out of support. It's like, well, yeah, but, you know, like the world is still using it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking about 7 and the the answer we got, because we were really torn, like, gee, you know, should we support 7 or not? And here's the thing, supporting 7 when you're talking about pulling all the parts and the guts out of Windows 10 Mm. that power the UI stack is super duper expensive. Super gonna, expensive. Gonna, we're talking about more than double the cost.
0: Plus, Sasha well, we held we, a gun to our head to upgrade everybody to Windows 10. So, if you, you
2: know, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. yes, that's what it felt yeah. like. You know, you so free up upgrade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 our team was really on the fence on this. We talked to customers, and the answer we got was really mixed. Like, just full transparency. You know, some people were like, "Nah, forget about it." Like, if we're gonna go and we're with Microsoft, we're moving forward, our user base is on Windows 10 and we're, and we're going to drop support for 7. Other people were like, no, that's a deal breaker for me. I can't use WinUI 3 uh, if you don't mm. go to 7. The, right. the thing that we've noticed is we're still, WinUI 3 will come out in 2020 but, and we're already seeing that Win 7 crowd just get softer and softer and quieter. Yeah. Um, and so by the time we get out, they'll still be there um, and they'll still be vocal and they'll still really care about it. Um, but the reality is, uh, we, we won't be able to get to market if we have to go down that far because that is an old OS and people don't realize that, but it just just really is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it can't can't do acrylic. It can't do reveal. It can't do all these things we do with the compositor for Fluent. So, Mm -hmm. um, and you guys brought up Uno at the start, which is awesome because one thing we, we started doing, I want to give a little shout out to the Uno guys and, and a little plug for them. So. After we concluded that we weren't going to go to Win7, we started partnering with the Uno guys um, to see if there was some way that they could help us out. And uh, what we did was over the last uh, few months, we've been sharing source code and trying to improve the Uno platform so that it can be a great uh, option and pathway for a uh, WinUI UI. Th- app or, or really just any WinUI app nice. being able to work on Win 7 uh, via WebAssembly. Uh,
1: so then it's wow. just the browser that's doing the hosting. So you can work on pretty much anything. Yeah,
2: that's exactly it. Yeah, it just runs in the browser. It's kind of like uh, the browsers did like an OS inside an OS.
1: Right. You know, But like a browser, you have these sort of shims and things. You know, we've got all these different versions of Windows 10. Uh, how do we cope with that? Is there some kind of degradation model if we're using a really late version feature?
2: Yeah, well, actually, it's even better than that. So the whole idea of what we're trying to do with WinUI 3 is take everything we need with us. Ah. That's why WinUI 3 doesn't just lift the XAML UI framework, it lifts parts of the compositor, which draws the pixels, it lifts parts of the input stack in Windows 10. So like all that great touch, all that great ink support, it lifts all of that up. And then it makes that stuff work on all the versions of win 10 that it peanut butters over nice so mm-hmm. you use the feature in win UI 3 and it just works yeah. that's the idea
1: well and you don't have to think about what version of win 10 you're running as a developer as a
2: developer you do not we have to think about that quite a lot because we it. have to go and make something like a like that acrylic sort of material work yeah but yeah as a developer no you target win ui 3 WinUI 3 will have a minimum version that it supports, and that's going to be like a sliding window. We always want to target at least 90% of the market of of where machines are deployed. That's like our internal sort of goal. Um, But uh, yeah, when you use that feature, it works anywhere that WinUI 3 supported effectively just like it it worked everywhere else. Um, At least that's the vision. Um, There may be some... You know, it, depending on how engineering goes and depending on like dates and things like that, we might have to have some things that gracefully degrade on a temporary basis. I'm hoping we can avoid any of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the, the promise is you just use it. So speaking of web shims and things like that, I noticed that there's going to be
0: a web view based on Chromium, a XAML control, a web view XAML control. So you can embed, you know, web content in your apps. Yes, about yeah, yeah,
2: it's actually yeah, it's actually one of the hardest parts of this whole WinUI three thing, uh, because as we're trying to do all of this lifting out, that includes the web engine, which in and of itself is very complex, mm-hmm. and then there's this whole switch between the edge engine and the and the Chromium engine. So, but the the you know the upshot of all of it is. Um, at the end, when we get to the end of WinUI 3 and we release it, the goal is to have that Chromium-based, most modern uh, web engine as a part of of uh, WinUI 3. It's probably going to be called WebView 2. It's like okay. not the most creative name, but that's probably what it'll that's be called. Fine. It'll be a control that you can use. Hey, yeah. it's
1: only two words, right? Like, and like four syllables. <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's all crunched together between angle brackets. So it's not too
2: bad. It's just one letter yeah. extra over the original web view.
1: So what did we see at Ignite?
2: Yeah, so at Ignite, uh, you see in here a few things. You, you see and can play with the WinUI 3 Alpha. Mm-hmm. So that is going to be actual bits we release, like I said, it's uh, it's a kick the tires release, so you know it's gonna be it's it's stability is a little janky. Um, and, but, and you're uh, calling you know, it an it, alpha, it not even play. a preview. It's not even a preview. We we, we actually debated what to call it. We, had, we we were originally gonna call it preview one, and then uh, we were like, you know what? People are gonna think that like what's going on with this preview? Yeah. Uh, this thing is not stable. No, so uh, we're calling it an alpha, and it's missing some things. So it's not gonna have that webview two in it. Good. No, no. no example, I, I think ready. that's
1: the right name then.
2: It tells you, yeah, hey, yeah. this is going to be rough. I'm, I'm glad because <laughs> we went back and forth on it. And uh, so it's that, good. That's It's good that what you take away from Alpha is what we intended. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but also at Ignite, we're going to talk a, uh, about that roadmap that I mentioned earlier so that the next big sort of stop and focus point on the roadmap is getting fully open source. So hopefully that's really exciting for folks. We're going to have, you know, I, I think this is the, well, it's not the first because WPF went open source, but it's nearly the first uh, XAML uh, framework to be you know, fully open source. You can see exactly how we implement it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another big stop uh, there as well. So yeah, that's those are probably the two biggest things that we're going to be mentioning at Ignite uh, on this.
1: And so you're figuring sometime mm-hmm. in 2020 you go GA?
2: Yeah, sometime in 2020. The other thing I want to add in is the alpha at Ignite, because it's still really early. The alpha at Ignite is... For just for the alpha is UWP only. We don't have the Win32 portion of that stood up yet. So if you want to go and play with that alpha, you'll need to create a, like a UWP app with the UWP app model. We're going to have a preview in the first half of 2020. It's kind of like the next thing after the alpha, and that thing we're hoping to expand to a Win32 and UWP. Nice. So I I just realized that might be confusing to people. Then we'd be like, hey, you promised. Win thirty two and where is it with the alpha? So yeah, I, I wanna make make that super clear. The the alpha is real early. Uh it's early enough that we almost didn't release anything, but like we were like, you know what, spirit of open source, let's just go and ship stuff. So
1: well and, and P- I sending, think people uh, like uh, to be a part of your process too, right? Like if you keep putting out new bits and we get to go along the ride with you.
2: Exactly. That's 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 the whole idea, you know. Like it's like it's new Microsoft. we you know, we wanna we wanna bring people wrong along the ride we don't have to make some big surprise all the time so you know here it is this is early and you get to see the sausage being
1: made nice and and to some point you will switch your sort of preview like this is kind of feature complete we're just getting the rough edges spin this tell us where it hurts exactly yeah i think the
2: i think the the next thing we do after the alpha will be called a preview okay um and i i'm not sure how many previews we'll have i mean what we what we eventually want to get to pretty quickly actually after we get open sources to get to uh just monthly builds, mm-hmm. so you know a preview will almost be a non-event. But yeah, just be like, oh, you know, February's builds out, March builds out, something like that. You
1: see, this is just an ongoing pattern. After you get to GA, you'll just continue pushing bits out for
2: sure. That's nice. Uh, after three, WinUI three goes out. Three point one is immediately in development, um, and then we actually already have this cadence for WinUI two. So the two series, which is much smaller, just that control library. Um, it ships three times a year. We just decided that four months was about right. It, um, there's a, uh, a build that happens. Um, well, I mean, there's daily builds, but there's like a build that happens, uh, at the beginning of every month that we release. And we just want to make uh, the whole stack that work like that. Nice.
0: You know, back when UWP started, I took it for a spin when it was called, what was it called? Oh, Metro. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah, win- you,
2: you, people called the Metro apps or UWAs. People called like the Universal Windows apps rather than right. Universal Windows, yeah. But, but one yeah, of,
0: sure. one of the things that I didn't like about it was you were sort of sandboxed. And uh, uh, what is the state of UWP today in terms of you know some of those old features that turned us
2: off? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, I mean, the I would say. All up, like what you just described, that sentiment has been a sentiment that has definitely been true of UWP um, all along. It's been, you know, it's pretty monolithic. I mean, when you make a UWP app, you're signing up for a lot of things. You're signing up for store and MSIX type deployment, um, which can be difficult for some enterprise customers. You're signing up for the sandbox, (coughs) which uh, limits... uh, you know, all kinds of different like libraries you can use and file uh, and uh, um, types of APIs you can call. Um, And so, you know, each of these things individually in UWP actually can be pretty good. Like, interestingly enough, the sandbox is the thing we actually hear people ask for. Um, You know, if you're in like finance and commerce and stuff like that, you love that sandbox. Um, You love the idea that um, you'll be able to meet, you know, federal regulations on software security so that people can't break out of that sandbox and do nasty things um, and steal bank account information and stuff like that. So the thing that UWP really has has sort of, you might say, suffered from is it's just this all-or-one thing. And so the journey that we're on is trying to bust that up and make it more a la carte and say like, hey, these are all valuable things, but we want to bring that value to you sort of like in an opt-in, you take it if you want it type of thing. Uh, and and actually, WinUI three is really just a part of that. So it's just it's taking the UI stack and saying you don't have to be a UWP now to use this UI stack. You can be anyone.
1: Is this going to be the way you develop for Windows going forward? Like, is, are the Office folks going to use this?
2: Yes, they are. Um, so the interesting thing I I think I mentioned earlier in the call that uh, WinUI three is going to be used directly, but also indirectly by middleware. Mm-hmm. So, Office has actually is already starting to do some of their new development on React Native. And Office is obviously, you know, this massive juggernaut that has to deploy to every type of platform under the sun. Um, They've been using React Native. And then when they run on Windows, some of their new investments are transitioning over to React Native for Windows um, so that, uh, um, you know, they can go and do their new developments and then ha- in React Native and then have them work on a Windows operating system. And React Native for Windows is going to be using WinUI 3. So uh, that means that Office will sort of like indirectly be powered by WinUI 3. And that's why it's important to realize that WinUI 3 isn't just like, a f- like just any old framework. It's going to be the native UI framework um, for Windows 10 and 10X.
1: That's awesome. Because, you know, I... I think we want to build against stuff that we know Microsoft consumes itself and gives us examples. Yeah, for.
2: Office is definitely a lighthouse for the industry. Yeah. I mean we hear it all the time.
1: We all use it, right? It's been true for decades.
2: Yeah, definitely. It influences patterns. Um, it influences how people build it. You know, Office makes a ribbon. Everyone wants to make a ribbon. Mm-hmm. I think we all remember those days. We do. Um, and uh, yeah, for sure. You know, so yeah. Um, so Office will be using it. They'll be using the controls in WinUI. Um, they might even be using it directly in some spots. We're in sort of discussions with them about that. But um, for, I mean, they already have um, builds of Office doing interesting things with React Native, and that's all going to be plumbed on WinUI 3.
1: Awesome. So folks get involved with these bits and they yeah. take them out spin. How do they communicate with you about their experiences?
2: Uh, yeah, so there's a few ways to communicate. Um, I would say the... The best way to really get involved would be to check out our GitHub repo. Um, you guys post links to these calls, yeah. I'm assuming, yeah, I so did. I can I can go and put some links in there. <laughs> if you head over to our repo, um, you know it's you know standard issue GitHub repo. Um, we have a bunch of issue types, so you know you can file bugs, you can make new feature requests, and we also have this issue type called discussion issues that have proven fairly popular. Hmm. So we really just wanted to provide an outlet for people who just want to discuss, you know, just sort of like, you know, shoot the whatever (laughs) about WinUI 3 and maybe, uh, you know, various ideas about where we could go and take the library. So you you can file discussion issues on the GitHub repo and uh, be happy to discuss things there. Kind Mm -hmm. of treat it as like a mini forum.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm looking at a discussion item on uh, WinUI 3 and XAML performance.
2: Awesome, for sure. Um, And Crossplat has been a popular one. Yeah, I bet. Uh, (laughs) A lot lot of people love chatting about that. So yeah, so head head on there and take a look at those um, discussions. That's one way. Um, Another thing that you can do, uh, we just spun up, actually their first one was this Wednesday, two days ago. Mm -hmm. Um, We just spun up a uh, WinUI community call. So this is a anyone can call and join call. We ran it over Teams. I don't, I don't know if we're going to do Teams again. We, we might, maybe we'll do Skype or something different. Um, but, uh, it's basically just anyone can come, can call in and we discuss everything from, we have like Q and A time where people are like, Hey, what's going on with the library? And they've got specific questions about it. We discuss hot issues on the repo and just like what our internal teams thinking about it is. But the cool thing about it is it's just the engineering team sort of directly. Interfacing with the community and and just chatting live, um, and so that uh, the first one went really great. We had about double the attendance we were expecting, um, and uh, we're doing these every month. So the next one will be last Wednesday in November. I think it's like the 27th. We do them at uh, 9 a.m. Pacific.
0: Nice, Ryan. This has been a great hour. It's flown by, and it's great to hear about all the all the new stuff that's coming down the pike for uh, desktop developers. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you guys. uh, uh, This was great. I I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you guys today. Us too. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.